and welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio, a bi-weekly podcast devoted to exploring successful legal marketing strategies that drive new business development at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. In every episode, you'll find actionable takeaways that you can implement immediately. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, part of a special month-long mini-series on web design for law firms, I am delighted to be speaking with Janet Ogis of Ogis & Company. After cutting her teeth as a special projects designer at Random House, Knopf, and Vintage, in 1985, Janet launched Ogis & Company, an award-winning, woman-owned business based in New York City. For over 30 years, Janet has worked with some of the world's most prestigious firms, reinventing ways to define and express their brands to make their businesses beautiful. Janet, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Hi, it's great to be here. Well, let's just start. Tell me about your company. Tell me about uh, why you founded it and sort of who you work with. I work with large and mid-sized companies to help them, you know, create something that will help them express their brand. I started my company because when I graduated from Yale, I had had experience before I went and I worked for a number of different companies, and I wanted the freedom to be able to work for a number of different types of clients in a number of different types of industries so that I can be creative in lots of different ways. How did you come to start working with the legal industry? I'm always curious how people found law firms. My business grew organically from the very beginning, and one client recommends me to somebody else. So I started with, and I'll I'll use the names, I started with IBM, and IBM, my client left and went to PricewaterhouseCoopers. My client, a different person who I met there, and I continued to make different relationships at each company, um, went to uh, Sherman Sterling, and they brought me in there. And from there... There, I, you know, my work was seen by by others, and and I started getting calls from the legal industry, which, you know, you then become very familiar with with that industry. When as you work in an industry, uh, one of the things I like so much about my business is I learn so much about that industry and how it operates and what's important. Do you work with any other industries that are sort of so? industry specific in the way that legal is? I do. I do. And it's fascinating because, you know, aside from accounting where I, you know, had a great deal of experience with thought leadership, I work in the real estate development area, but we've also had, you know, as I I always want a variety, you know, we've worked in, in the spa area as well. And, and so I'm always welcoming financial and professional services seem to come to us, but I'm always welcoming, you know, different industries because it's such a wonderful opportunity to think in a different way. How do you see working with those companies as informing uh, what you do for law firms uh, and perhaps helping them innovate in the way that they market through their their websites or their other collateral assets? I always thought when I started working in law that law was a great frontier, that a lot of other industries have so much more experience in marketing. Uh, They have years before legal was allowed to market. And because they're not partnerships, they have a lot more um, perspective on what they need to do in order to get their message out there. They're, they're, they're unabashed about it and they're aggressive. And I think that legal has always counted on partnership relationships as being the key that grew the business 
But you know, as things become larger and more global, as the individual relationships become diffused over larger geographies, industries, and other things, you really have to introduce ideas that have been effective. If you had to like sum up your company's work in sort of like one or two adjectives, like how would you define what you do? How would you describe it? I would say it's it's very conceptual and strategic. I think it, it has an emotional. I always try to express the emotional landscape of what's going on in that industry and truly try to understand it deeply. And for me, that's the biggest challenge to kind of put myself in the in the shoes of the client and the world around it, the client and see you know what they need and so I enjoy the the different roles that I play uh, in trying to understand it and then express it based on that understanding and that expression so when, when you go someone goes to your website the very first thing that they're going to see is how much important you put on the visual language and the visual expression of all of those things. Uh, could you talk a bit about why you feel like that visual expression is so important, why it's so important to make all of these marketing pieces beautiful? Well, the understanding and learning is done through, for me, it's through seeing and feeling. And, you know, I definitely think and feel more when I see something that is stimulating to me. And, you know, part of of the fastest way to allow someone to digest information and understand what you do is to give them an experience that will affect them on different levels of their consciousness beyond strictly cognitive because they're all linked. So, um, you know, I always try to, I always try to embrace that from on a, on a whole, in a holistic level when I try to communicate something visually, what does it feel like to look at it? Is there a business case for making things beautiful? I mean, is there a, I mean, it's hard to put, you know, strict numbers on say the return on investment of making things beautiful, but is there anecdotal or, or sort of qualitative type measurements that you can do? Well, you know, totally. It's, I mean, Apple computer proved that more than anybody else in saying that there's, you know, value in having something that looks beautiful, but it also having it work beautifully is part of the experience. It's not, not just something that's formally beautiful, but something that, that actually functions in the way it's supposed to and is uniquely relevant to its function, the visual part of it. So, you know, there's definitely a reason for you to also identify yourself as, as unique from the competition in that people will, will remember you. I mean, everybody is blending together and everyone is shouting, you know, to get attention. And how do you make an impression on someone that's going to last the flip side I wanted to, to ask you about, though, is that websites also have to be functional. Could you talk a bit about how you see web and digital tools uh, in terms of their functionality and how visual literacy, uh, or excuse me, uh, visual design and making things beautiful affects that? So everything has to be authentically itself. You have to really understand what it is in order to make it work properly. The website is part of that experience, which will allow you to understand 
this company. I always think of a company as a persona, like a, an individual that you're having a relationship with. And what do they do? How do they work? What do they feel like? And what specifically makes them different than everybody else? You know, and why do you want to have a relationship? Why do you want to go back to this community? And what makes you feel comfortable and relate to it on a personal level? So a website has to function with a fluidity and a grace that will allow you to get where you want to go so you're seeking the journey. And it allows you to them to tell their story in, a, in the tone and language and with the feeling that, that will embrace their brand. It engages you in a journey in which you are satisfied and you continue to go back and seek more. Why that focus on story rather than simply stating a firm's expertise? Well, it's a way that we could create a differentiation um, from everybody else who is very good at what they do. Like, what is your story? Why would you trust this company? Why would you go to them and feel a bonding with them? We, we think in terms of plots and stories. Uh, that's just the way we are as human beings. And if we understand the story, then it's easy to relate to. And when you relate to something, you would trust it and you would go to it. You would recognize it and you would default to it. But after all, this is all about long-term relationships. That's what our lives as in business and in everything, you know, the bonding that we create with people we could count on and trust is what it's, what it's all about and what's make, what makes everything, you know, great. Let's just jump to sort of a quick overview of how you work. What is the design process here? We want to find out what the problems you have that, you know, what, what are your, what are your issues? What are your challenges? Where do you want to go? And what's keeping you from getting there? Also, what are you really good at? You know, how do you, you have to ask questions. You have to be able to spend a few minutes or spend time trying to figure that out. I think the discovery process is key to creating that initial understanding. Once we've done that, we can start to say, you know, how does that sound from a messaging standpoint? And look at that, you know, whether it's messaging, a tagline, a flow of words, and also what does that look like and how does that work? So it's it's a very much of a collaboration and it's a iterative process and you have to surrender to that process in order to to make it right it isn't tedious it's really it's quite it's quite engaging and fun when you can actually cut through the clutter and get what's underneath and then once we have sketches and solutions to show then we can sort of say well you know how does this make you feel you know how do you feel about that until we get to the point where we create an agreement and that the agreement a lot of times has to be socialized and it has to be integrated in the organization because you know it can't be imposed that's where the authentic thing has to come in and everybody has their own voice and so it's important to understand and to get the key people to buy into the process means that you usually have to speak to them and find out what their issues are and try to address them and your solution should be based 
on the solutions to the problems and how to simplify their messaging and get their point across clearly so that they can feel comfortable with it and it isn't sort of like a pair of shoes that doesn't fit. So I just wanted to jump back quickly to the visual literacy aspect. Before we started recording, we were chatting, and one of the things we were talking about was the New York Times magazine. We were admiring this illustration in the magazine and talking about some of the balance between illustration and and photography uh, and some of the other visual design aspects of the magazine. I'm curious how you see that balance on the websites you're building in terms of visual content. How much are people pushing just strict visual design versus illustration versus photography versus things like motion like video? Well, video has become more and more relevant and and used a lot. That's a big change. Illustration is something for many years that hasn't been used as much as it could be. Remember when it was a key as a vehicle for expression, there's a lot of stock images and stock illustrations that are used across the board for many different industries and are really hard to own and make everybody's websites look alike. It's amazing how similar people are to each other with the images that they select. And law firms are typically very much of have a copycat mentality if somebody is doing something they want to do it also, which is absolutely counterintuitive to the way that I would look at it. I think that the way that you look at your images whether they're photography or illustration, should always have a perspective that is based on your key mission that illustrates what it is you're about in one way or another. And you should find your designer, your creator should find that philosophical precept that will allow you to strain all the thousands of images that are out there so that all of the ones that are selected are within the context of that perspective. When you're doing that, are you using stock, whether it's photography or illustration or whatever, or are you really pushing custom content? Everything should be created with a mind to that, whether it's the layouts you're putting on the website, whether it's you know your color choices or your logo. How, how custom should that all be? It doesn't have to be custom to be custom, so to speak, because you can use a stock photograph, but it's the stock photographs that you select. It's the way you crop them. It's how you use them. It's what does it make you feel ultimately. So it would be helpful to write a brief around that. Is there anything that would say your brand more than someone else's? What is your unique way of saying it. And it's extremely subtle. You know, it could be a crop or a shape. It could be that you want to find or have some way to bring it into your story visually. Uh, So I wanted to close here with some advice on firms that are looking to do a redesign project, you know, probably a larger redesign project. What are some questions they should be asking internally before they start coming to, to a designer like you? And what are some questions that they should be asking of potential vendors in terms of finding the right fit, finding an agency that's the right fit for them? When you get to the point that you need to redesign your brand, is it a refresh or is it a rebrand? Do you have to start all over again? Do you have to throw out everything or is there something about it that you've established over time that's worth keeping that you want to then have respond to the current environment. How much 
are you willing to invest in making that change from the, the difference between one and the other can be enormous. And, you know, are you going to get the return on investment if you do change it? What are you really feeling about what you have currently that doesn't respond to what's going on right now with the rest of your fellow competitors? And then I would try to find someone who will listen and will be able to be there for you in terms of responding to not only just what you want, like listening to what you want. I mean, it's not about that. It's about being able to bring bring something to the party, to bring the knowledge of what's what others are doing as well as what is your unique perspective. You want to make sure the appropriateness of their solution the way the thing worked for that company is specific and works for that company in a unique way and isn't formulaic. From a client perspective, I would ask everyone who wants to hire a designer to create something new to be willing to go through the process with that person and give them the access to the answers to their questions and be willing to go through the iterations of things with with a certain patience involved in in what it takes to actually get to a real solution. A lot of times people will assume that you're just going to come up with something for them, but they're not willing to make the effort to, to talk about it first and to go through that set of questions. It can be uncomfortable, but it's very cathartic in the end. And when it's done right, it can be so perfectly satisfying that you will have have worked through it and you can really sort of stand up and say that for everybody that we've created something here. And that's the greatest accomplishment as far as I'm, as a designer, just to know that someone's happy with the brand that you created for them and, and it works for them and they're, you know, really like moving ahead with their business because of it and getting a lot of attention that they didn't get. I mean, it's, it's the greatest joy. Well, Janet, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio Podcast. My pleasure. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com, it's just legalmarketing.studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on both iTunes and on SoundCloud. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss or know someone who might, please send an email to producer at legalmarketing.studio or reach out via the contact page on our website, legalmarketing.studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry, based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. If your firm is updating its website, hiring new attorneys, or revamping its brand and marketing materials, give us a call. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. (music) 